Apple has this really cool podcast. Podcats. Podcats. Hey, that, I wonder if there's a podcast out there called Podcats um, about cats. Hey guys, welcome to the Encourage Collective podcast. My name is Brandon Scott. Hey, and this is Josh. Well, I think that we could probably talk about workflow maybe uh, in sort of order. I think that that's the most logical. So like starting with uh, what we do, like what our processes are for after the shoot and then kind of through delivery. Um, Well, I come home with probably like eight cards because I have recorders and I have... Um, oh yeah, audio, audio stuff. Sometimes drone, um, a lot of different little things. So, yeah, for me, just getting it all in, getting it organized, getting it backed up, so I have at least one somewhere physically in the computer somewhere on a hard drive, and then I always do a backup that's in an undisclosed location somewhere, you know. So, uh, and that. I keep all the footage from probably the last six to eight months on and kind of cycle through that. Um, That for me is really important just for going to bed. And then every once in a while, you know, you, well, I haven't had it in a while, but back in the day, I used to have like card errors. And so just to, like, I literally like wouldn't go to bed until I figured it all out, until I got everything safe. And then I, you know, I haven't had a good card error in a while. Well, maybe that's better camera contacts and inputs and all that stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's like, I would say the first step, just getting it all in, getting it backed up. A lot of people do triple backups. Um, right now I do, well, I have the cards themselves, which I don't clean for a couple weeks, the backup, uh, offsite. And then I have the whole files on site. And then I also use Backblaze, which is like a online, uh, we call it backup system. And so, so then I have a digital kind of cloud backup, not immediately but over time it'll start uploading those files uh so yeah i guess the first step would be getting everything super organized labeling everything correctly so when you do come back to it which might not be the next day but it could be a month later or a couple weeks you know where everything is and you're not like shuffling through these unnamed files um and backing up as many as you possibly can so that'd okay be my first so step. Into some of the the nitty gritty here, I import everything into Lightroom, into mm. one Lightroom catalog dedicated to just the couple. Um, so I some there's two there's two ways that photographers kind of head or two directions photographers kind of head in when it comes to Lightroom. One is they have one master catalog and it has all of the photos they've ever taken sitting in there, um, and the other direction, which is the way I subscribe to, is having one collection catalog. Gosh. Collection catalog, the jargon is, is too similar. One catalog per uh, per couple. Um, I used to even have it per shoot. So if I had a couple whose uh, engagement shoot I photographed and their wedding, um, I would have a separate catalog for the engagement shoot and for the wedding. Now I have one collect or one catalog for their engagement shoot, their wedding, um, and now increasingly their uh, maternity shoot and family photos, which is crazy that I've been doing this long enough to have engagement couples have family shoots. Wow. Um, so yeah, I, I do that. And then I kick, this is a good segue into culling, which is a process that we both do. Um, so I cull everything in, in a Lightroom. Um, I've had a, a lot of people ask me about um, how I go about doing this because they use a, a software called Photo Mechanic, which 
I've never used Voto Mechanic, but I've talked enough to enough people about it to kind of get the gist of why you would go through the trouble of culling in Pulling separately and, and different software, and it's just because it renders um, previews pretty much instantaneously. So you don't have the the go to the next photo, wait a second or two for it to load and sharpen, um, and then move on. So it, you know when you're doing like when you're processing four or five thousand photos, it adds up probably like a half an hour, an hour saved. So. Um, and Lightroom isn't as good at this, and I totally agree with you. Lightroom on the desktop does take a long time, if, especially if you have a computer that's a year or older. Um, it does struggle a bit with processing previews quick enough, um, but for that reason, I don't actually I don't actually use Lightroom on the desktop to cull. I use Lightroom Mobile, and I cull on an iPad. So how this works is you <clears throat> you think. A collection um, of photos up to your Adobe Creative Cloud and if you have Lightroom Mobile on your phone or your iPad uh, it will sync all of the photos with that and then you can it what it does is when it imports everything onto your iPad it already it already generates all of the full res previews so there is no there is no render time so it's like instantaneous just like photo mechanic and I think it's even a little bit faster just because the process of culling, I think, benefits greatly from the gesture of like swiping. So you swipe to the next photo and then you swipe down to reject it or you swipe up to pick it. So it's just a real fast swipe left, swipe down to reject, swipe left, swipe down to reject. And all of those things sync back to your desktop version um, where then you can edit from there. So I use that. I'll, it, I, it, there's a little bit of nuance as far as getting them, um, you know, on, into the catalog that syncs and everything. And I think I might actually either do a write-up or, or a blog post or something like that, or maybe even a YouTube tutorial and just throw that up and show you guys. And I'll be sure to let you know when that is up, because again, a lot of you have asked about that, um, you know, so you can either keep everything all in the same house, the same Lightroom house, um, or just, you know, if it's faster than photo mechanic. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I mean, I remember one time we go to the same gym and I was like, I saw you looking at whatever you were looking at on your iPad, just like smiling while you were um, on the, on the treadmill. And then I looked and you were calling through pictures uh, yeah. a while ago. Yeah. Um, but I do, I, it does allow me to call while sometimes I'll, I'll speed walk on the treadmill for like an hour. And while I'm doing that, I can just kind of That's cull. crazy. That's so cool. That's a great, I mean, so you're saying the iPad or the iOS app is actually faster and better than like at the previews and stuff? Yeah, it's instant. So I think what's happening, I don't know this and I don't know Lightroom, like the back end of it well enough, but it's at least anecdotally with my experience is even if I generate full size previews in the desktop version of Lightroom, it still has a one second, two second delay where, you know, like you click to a photo and it just takes like that extra second to like perfectly sharpen. Um, which is a million sec or not a million, but thousands <laughs> of seconds all added together, which is a lot of your time you're sitting there oh, waiting. Yeah, for it's not sure. Great. Not to mention just the inconvenience, or I should say the trade-off of not being able to turn workout exercise time into editing time too, mm-hmm. by being able to call on the iPad on the treadmill. Cool. Um, some people would get kind of dizzy doing that, so I don't necessarily recommend it, but try it out. Um, but yeah, it, I think that there's just something about the 
the upload to the Adobe Cloud, it must upload just fully sized previews, smart previews, and then mm. that's all that's available to download. You know, it's not referencing the raw files and converting them into previews in that moment. It's just that's all that is downloaded and this is a full size previews. preview. Yeah. So it's literally and it's just instant. That's um, great. And but you don't do any editing on the iPad, do you? You know, I I, I let's see. I do Quite not hard. officially, but I have edited like the Lightroom mobile app on my phone yeah. is awesome. I used to use Visco to edit mobile photos, but now all I do is just have my preset that I use for all my pictures on my Lightroom mobile app on my iPhone. And now I just edit them in there. And I got to say the interface to edit Pretty photos good. on the phone is I I almost hmm. I almost think that it can compete with the desktop version. Yeah. It's crazy. You, it does everything other than spot removal that I use normally. And wow. it does it with an interface that I think is just super sweet. Does it seem like as far as just the getting the detail that you can on, let's say like a retina screen, can you still like do those tiny little changes and it feels like you're you're seeing enough detail? On oh, the for sure. Oh, even wow. on the phone. But then I would say with the iPad even more so. Yeah. Um, I use the... Actually, I... I wish that they would bring the interface from the phone to the iPad. It's way better in my opinion. But yeah, I use on the iPad. I use the Apple Pencil, and um, you know that gives me even greater control and detail, and be able to refine things um, with like brushes, especially and hmm. selective huh. stuff. So yeah, That's pretty awesome. Big fan of Lightroom Mobile and the culling process on there. Um, it's been like a total game changer as far as productivity goes. And what's so cool too is you know the iPad takes up no space. Um, yeah. it's super portable. And again, also because it all syncs, the, the calling on my iPad will sync with the calling on my phone, which syncs the calling on the desktop. So there's even times where I'll find myself with a spare three to five minutes where maybe I used to go browse on Reddit. Now I'll just pop open Lightroom mobile on my iPhone and call 20 pictures in like that little time. I may be waiting in line for something. Yeah. So I've just been able to convert all of these little like bite-sized chunks of time that have been categorized as waste before and turn them into little bites of substantive time, calling time. Um, yeah, super great. I, I'm a big fan of, of that. It's just been a total transformative uh, workflow experience. Even just like, gosh, it's one of my favorite things to like sit as a passenger in a car, in a car ride now because I can just sit in the back and quietly on my phone just call away. Um, so is the like, is there any kind of lag time between let's say you're at the gym you're calling 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 like if you were to i know you're not going to go straight in your computer but if you went straight home popped up open do you have to wait a little bit for everything to download or is it not, is it pretty quick if the catalog at home isn't open then it's going to take like yeah. three to five minutes to sync okay but so i've not too just bad. as an experiment uh, left things on yeah, left things on, and like I swipe down on my phone, and it's a re it flags down on. Yeah, the yeah. Just keep it all back. always kind of syncing. Yeah, it's awesome. And again, cool. going back to the you know that tired old bell we keep ringing about backups. It's just another backup. They're all on the Adobe Cloud in that situation. Mm. So yeah, awesome. do you uh, have a do you do you have an unlimited or uploads on Adobe Cloud? I don't know actually. That's a good oh, question. Their limit when I'm done. When I'm done culling them, I, I do take them down. So okay. then, it, you know, there's never like more than a few shoots up there hanging out in that cloud space. Cool. Yeah. So, all right, that's photo and that's culling. Um, Josh, video is a totally different world that I don't understand. Uh, but for those videographers listening out there, there is a, there's a bunch of you. Um, I'm sure that they would want to know 
what your culling process is. You, by the way, just switched from Final Cut to Premiere. It would be useful, I think, if you just like, like maybe real quick touched on how culling is different in those two, those two softwares. Um, Softwares? I don't, yeah, I don't know. There's no really main. corner, is software plural? Huh? Softwares, plural, more than one software, is that softwares? Uh, It's just software. Software. If you could touch on the difference between those two software. On those two types of software. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's not too much difference. I mean, you're just, it's pretty similar. It's just more about finding how you do similar things. They just kind of put the buttons and functions in different places, but you're always doing the same thing. Um, but yeah, there's really, I mean, once you have, let's say you throw or you have everything and you throw it into a project, like there's kind of at least two main ways to edit, which is like added to additive or sub, uh, what do you call it? Subtractive, subtractive. What is it? Additive and subtractive. Does that sound right? Subtractive. I don't know. Um, welcome to Brandon and Josh's vocab corner, <laughs> but you know, it's like, so you either kind of, if you're starting uh, you know, base one of a project, you're kind of picking one of two options, at least as I see it, is you have your whole bin media browser of all your files and you're going through and watching them and then pulling the ones you like down in the timeline, adding them to the timeline, or you're throwing everything on the timeline and then finding the things you don't like, kind of like culling, and taking them off the timeline. So then you're kind of taking away, subtracting from the timeline. I like, uh, most people I know are more additive. They take, they just find what they like in the browser, bring it down. I'm more like old school, just how I started was like, I just like having everything in the timeline, kind of like you would maybe calling a, you know, every photo in a library and then taking out the ones I, I don't like, or the clips, let's say, and kind of go, getting smaller, 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 smaller. Um, they, I guess in like art, the comparison is, you know, if you're additive, you have like a blank canvas and you're adding paint strokes, you're adding things to it. And the other one would be like a block of uh, stone or something and you're kind of chipping away at it, chipping away at it till it kind of starts to form. And so I'm more of the like block of stone chipping away at it. Uh, but I think both work great. It just depends on what makes sense to you and what you like, or maybe what is uh, better in whatever software you're using. Um, so yeah, I kind of, I just get everything out there. I kind of go, smaller, 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 smaller. And I'll even, it's not like really even one process for me. It's like, it's not just like, okay, I have, let's say, I don't know, three hours of different types of footage or two hours, let's say for a wedding film. It's not just like, okay, now I'm cutting it down to five minutes. It's like, okay, I'm cutting down to like an hour. And then I'm saving that and maybe copying that timeline just so I have that timeline, whatever the rough edit. And then I'm doing one that's like, here's like 20 minutes and then copy that. And so kind of that's like my main, I guess what you'd call calling, uh, kind of chipping away at it and even doing like little passes of like going, like once I got down to let's say that 20 minutes, maybe even letting, kind of sleeping on it and then go something that I thought was really good. I'm like, I don't, it doesn't fit as much. And so I kind of go through passes like that. Um, I try to just as far as um, that goes, uh, just piecing things, seeing what pieces together is, um, you know, giving it a little time to to let things sit and not trying to make all those decisions, let's, let's say, in one day, um, at least for me. And sometimes I have multiple projects to work on, so then that helps me. I can move over to something else and kind of let that one sit for a little bit and then come back, and then I think of in a different way. Um, but the main 
thing I do is, like I said, it's more subtractive. I'm like throwing everything out on a timeline, whatever software we're using, it's actually pretty similar as far as culling goes, um, and then cutting down, down, down. But it's kind of whatever works for you. And um, I, I can see the merits of both, but I think it just like back in, let's see, high school, when I started editing on Final Cut 7, that's what made sense to me. And so that's what I've like kind of always done and seems to work best for me. Um, as far as that's like, I think the equivalent of my culling, I'm doing that in a timeline and I'm throwing everything on and cutting it down, down, down. Hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, a photographer from Instagram would like to know, can I get by with just Lightroom? I think that you could get by with just Lightroom for both the culling process and the editing process. Um, but I think the full like arsenal of photography software would include something like photo mechanic lightroom and photoshop um and maybe i've never used it but one of my friends logan cole uses it uh it's called what is it alien skin exposure ase he actually just recently started making his presets available for sale and originally included his the ase presets the alien skin presets too from what i understand the the broad internet there can correct me if i'm wrong um but you basically do all your edits in Lightroom and then you export to Alien Skin and then you do some just like polishing, I guess, things like adding grain here, or that kind of thing. But uh, I, I think though that you can get by with just Lightroom. Culling in Lightroom Mobile, editing in Lightroom entirely. Uh, Photoshop isn't entirely necessary, but if you're gonna get Lightroom, I think most packages that you would subscribe to through Adobe include Photoshop anyways, so you'll you'll have it. But um, and Fo Lightroom makes it really easy just to right click on a photo, export and or edit in Photoshop, do your thing in Photoshop, and then it syncs everything right back into Lightroom. So they're made to work with each other. Um, I I would just say this though, in terms of making sure you don't lose photos, uh, the more the the more software you use and the more times you're exporting photos from one thing to the other, the more opportunities you're causing to miscategorize, miscatalog, or misplace a picture. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of keeping everything in one ecosystem. That's why I'm a Mac user. That's why um, I, I just I just prefer like with even uh, like woodworking tools, it's kind of a, th a thing I enjoy doing. Like I buy all the same tools just because everything works together when it's a system. And um, I, I prefer to use Lightroom and keep everything in Lightroom as much as possible for that reason. What would those essentials be on Photoshop? Yeah, so this this person's asking what would benefits of using Photoshop be in addition to Lightroom? And for me, kind of what I mentioned, I'd say there's there's three specific uses. One, if I have a ton of blem blemish removal or spot removal stuff, like if I have to take out uh, a ton of telephone lines or something like that, the Photoshop version is uh, much more um, robust, powerful, quick, fill in the blank than the Lightroom version. Uh, so I'll usually export and do all of that work in Photoshop and then bring it back in into Lightroom. Another version is if I, I don't own a tilt shift lens, but sometimes there's a photo that's just begging to be tilt shifted and the Photoshop version, um, the, the Photoshop filter for, what am I trying to say? And in Photoshop, you can apply the tilt shift effect uh, and I think it looks pretty close to the real thing, close enough that uh, I find it is worth using and not buying a, a tilt shift lens for. So sometimes I'll do that, rarely, but sometimes. And then um, 
Lastly, I've been uh, using that Brenheiser method. Um, I'll link that in the show notes uh, instead of explaining it here. But it involves basically taking um, six to nine pictures and then stitching them all together into a panoramic photo. Um, and that's often, if it, if Lightroom can't handle it, Lightroom has like an automated thing for making panoramas, but sometimes it just doesn't work. Um, and if it doesn't, then I'll drag it into Photoshop and use it. So, but again, I'm, I'm talking like this is 5% use case. Literally everything else can be done in Lightroom super easily. Um, here's one, Josh, that could be uh, talked about by both of us. Uh, do you guys have any editing tips for harsh lighting? Video, I guess, what I would say is like, so just use the example, like I've had to deal with this where maybe it was, you know, Big Sur shaded couple behind like blown out ocean. You know, you, you can actually go in keyframe and edit the sky down. And it also depends too, like if you're wanting more of the, like landscape to be the focus, then light a little bit better for that. If you're wanting, let's say a subject to be the focus, light it better for that. And maybe just let the um, background be underlit or overlit, but let the, you know, it's it's okay for some of those things just to, it, I guess it depends. You're gonna adjust a little differently depending on what you, what you want to be the focus and what you're going for, but harsh light. I mean, yeah, I mean, this kind of goes back to your original sentiment of setting yourself up for an easier workflow down the road. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're just stuck and the wedding is scheduled for noon. It's in the middle of an open space and the sun is as bright as it can be. And the couple is either backlit. So they're as silhouetted as can be. And there's just nothing you can do about it. But with a little, I think I think this is kind of where experience pays and it's having it's shooting your first wedding in those conditions and then having to edit in those conditions when you realize how difficult it is you're so mindful of it moving forward that the next time that you see an itinerary that suggests that the center the ceremony be at noon you like your alarm bells go go off in your head and you're like wait a second i remember the last time this happened i'm going to chime in and say something and see if there's either a spot that we can go to that won't be as harsh or if there's the possibility of tweaking the time a little bit um all in the uh interest of the client too so a lot of you guys who who a lot of you are who are listening to this podcast are also sort of just starting off in photography and you know, you're always going to run into a, an editing crisis when your darkest dark is as, as super, super separated from your brightest bright. And Josh kind of gave the example that we run into most often around here with the landscape that we have, which is you have a blown out ocean. Like in order to have the couple exposed properly, especially this happens all the time at sunset. So we're in California, the sun sets in the west, the ocean is the west. Couples always want photos if they're near the ocean to be to have the ocean in the background. So that means that you're almost always shooting with a couple that's silhouetted and a bright sun behind you. And the sun reflects off of the ocean and while you with your eye and the couple with theirs their eyes sees a blue ocean, your camera in order to have the couple be bright enough sees a white ocean because it's basically ask, acting as one giant reflector for the sun and you got to choose like do i want to expose for the ocean which would make the couple darker or do i want to expose for the couple which makes the ocean brighter um, 
So sometimes the thing that I've often found works well is sort of compromising and positioning them to where the sun is kind of coming across their face rather than directly behind them. Um, so then that way you get a little bit of the properly exposed ocean and a little bit of the properly exposed couple. I try and educate couples about this a little bit ahead of time if I know that their ceremony is going to be in the summer in at like a 3, 3 p.m. sort of situation um, just to set their expectations accordingly. When I first started out, I and I, ha- I ran into these situations, I just took it for granted that couples ex- wouldn't know this, that that they would just know that the ocean isn't going to look blue with lighting situations like this. And um, I guess to my surprise at the time, I you know I had maybe one or two people say like, "Hey, like, is there any way to like to fix this this photo? Like, we remember the ocean looking super blue and pretty, but it just looked kind of white and washed out in the photos." And it just took it took a moment like that or a couple of moments like that for me to realize that clients don't think about that kind of thing and they just need to be sort of educated on how lighting and photography and the science of photography works. So um, I, I would kind of just, I guess after all that rambling, some of the points would be educate clients ahead of time as to what they can expect photos to look like if they are, insist on shooting in a specific place or a specific time of day that yields those sort of situations. Um, and then preemptively if you see that they want to do that maybe like preemptively preventatively see if they can change the time or the location with a flexible something like an elopement tends to be flexible um just kind of working with them that's like your job as the photographer is at the end of the day or videographer is at the end of the day to give them the best product and the more experienced you are the more it's going to involve you um sort of being more involved and hands-on with the planning of their day rather than just getting an itinerary from them and showing up and shooting with what you got. Josh has to go pee. Oh, listeners, I am alone in Josh's office as he has gone to the bathroom. Uh, What do you guys want to talk about? Just you and me. Let's have a little, let's have a little heart to heart. What's your go-to ice cream hmm? when you're feeling when you're feeling worn out after a long day and you just want to sit on the couch in, in front of the office and watch a few episodes and and go go to town on a, a pint of something? What's that pint? When Safeway or in the grocery store has Ben and Jerry's on sale, what is the flavor that you reach for? Do you go Chunky Monkey? What about mint chocolate cookie? How about coffee, coffee, buzz, buzz? They're all favorites of mine. Do you go? Do you go the full, the full fat version, or you go frozen yogurt, low fat? Hmm. What's what? Oh, he's back. I I wanted to just mention instead of like going to the nuts and bolts of editing, maybe we can just real quick talk about like our top, our top like one or two favorite editing. Um, like tips or tricks that we employ that make our life a little bit easier. Um, I guess I'll go ahead and start. And one of them um, is a little bit frivolous, but it actually has helped me uh, help my productivity a ton. Um, so I'm I'm kind of in the middle of a house remodel right now, and I'm doing it all myself. And I've been I'm trying to get it finished before. Megan and I get married in December, so we have a place to live. 
And what that's necessitated is me working a lot more days of the week on the house and um, and then saving like a couple days a week for doing weddings and shoots and then a couple days a week for editing. Um, so I've been really focused on trying to make all of my editing time as productive as possible, like maximum yield for the minimum input kind of a thing that I can give it. And um, something that has helped so much with that is having two computers. So I'll edit um, Lightroom only lets you have one instance of it open at any given time. So you can't have multiple catalogs open. So what I'll do is I'll maybe edit a shoot on my iMac and then I'll finish it and I'll start the export process, which as you photographers know, can take multiple hours um, to actually render and export photos. So I'll have the iMac crunching away, editing or exporting photos, and then I'll start editing right away on my MacBook. And then by the time I'm done editing on my MacBook, the iMac's done crunching away. So then I can start having my MacBook export while I start editing another catalog on my iMac. Um, so having two computers working at any given time has been super great. Also being able to log in remotely to my iMac while I'm out of the country or something like that through my MacBook and tell it to start exporting um, while I'm away has been a really cool feature too of having kind of a home-based computer and a computer on the go. So that's my number one. Josh, what's yours? I do have one thing that is kind of similar to what Brandon, it's like a equivalent to what Brandon said about earlier through his working on his iPad with um, previews is there is at least on Premiere, which I know a lot of people use, uh, you can do a proxy workflow, which is basically, let's say you have these huge 4K files or whatever, and they're all compressed and they're all maybe not as ready to edit. You can, um, and I would say Google it, you can get a better description, but basically it'll ingest all your footage, make these proxy files, which are still very watchable, um, but really ready to edit and it'll kind of and then when you're uh, done editing all those proxy files that are just copies ready to edit copies of your you know large 4k files um, you can you know revert to the um, normal edit and it'll export it with the original footage all the information let's say timeline and editing information you gave to the proxy files it's a little bit of extra work but one thing it does do is if you're on a laptop or if you're on a computer with maybe not as much power or even just sometimes even computers with a lot of power don't run great um, it, it allows you to edit a lot faster and kind of zoom through clips quicker and there is the little bit of time that it takes to ingest and kind of get all those proxy files ready um, but that's just like kind of a one-click thing and then once you're editing it's just super fast it's it's a lot more snappy it's a lot more um, at least Premiere is a lot more responsive um, with those proxy files and then you just have to remember when you export you have to switch one setting to say to not export those proxy files but export the original files and that is just like a editing just time saver you know you're not waiting for something to load you're not um, you know it, it also does take a little extra space but you know hard drives are pretty cheap and so um, that would be a big time saver and just frustration saver from things getting stuck and things not loading because you're dealing with these like huge bitrate, you know, maybe not as ready to edit uh, video files. So that's what I say. Check that out, YouTube or something, proxy editing. Um, and then I would say my my second my second editing tip uh, actually has to do with what I do at the wedding and or during the shoot, and that is shoot in auto white balance. 
um, I used to do the play the game where I set white balance manually and just as I've gotten better and better cameras they've gotten better at better at reading the situation and reading the lighting scenario and um, choosing white balance for me and I think that there's no other setting I fussed with more in editing than white balance and so having it start off more or less like 90 95 percent as close as I want I would have wanted it to be is um, has been a big time saver instead of having to, to fuss with it a lot more and get it to that point. Um, I'll say for a second thing, whatever whatever software you're using, whether it's Premiere, Final Cut, or some other uh, you know software, just educate yourself on all the um, keyboard shortcuts. Like uh, you can download. Usually, there's somebody has made a PDF or something for every keyboard shortcut known to man. Those things, you, I'm I'm rarely using my mouse, so it's a good um, exercise to. Uh, try to do as much as you can with your keyboard and just to learn as many shortcuts as you can um, because it'll speed up your editing time and maybe just find the ones that you use a lot or the ones that you like a lot and like I found out like for I think it was like Apple 5 is to go to color on Final Cut and like so I memorized that one and you know figuring out the ones that you are using like every couple minutes at, at least to start is a good start yeah, I totally agree with what Josh said, too, about the keyboard shortcuts. Um, yeah. They're super invaluable and speed things along quite nicely. Uh, yep. For photography, I use Visco keys, yeah. um, which is, it's since been retired by Visco, but it's supported on its own now by like open source stuff. I'll link in the show notes also to that where you can download it. And yeah, you can like up and down exposure with a D and the F key, A, S, A and the S key, controlled contrast, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, I haven't touched, like, I don't use the trackpad or mouse to adjust the actual sliders. I only use the keyboard. Um, you know, it's using all of these little things that are, uh, wastes of time. Like what we talked about in the beginning of the episode, you know, your software rendering previews, that's a waste of time. Like your client isn't paying you to render photos or to sit there while your software renders photos. They're paying you to edit and time spent um, editing is time away from your family and your friends. So minimizing waste as much as possible is sort of the goal here. And I'll just say too, like I know it seems like the figuring out all these shortcuts and doing all this stuff seems like a little nitty gritty and stuff, but the idea is that you do all this stuff. So when you get to editing, all that you're thinking of is creative is like how I want to make this thing look better or sound better or what I want to tweak instead of thinking like, where's this setting? How do I get to this thing? So when you, if you learn all these things as much as you can and at the front end of your business, you know, then when you are sitting down to edit, it's not like getting through the clunky stuff of software. It's just pure, you know, what's, what's culling, what's good, what's bad, what I want to do this photo. And you're not thinking, yes, you're doing a lot of things, but you're not thinking about how to do that thing anymore. So it seems a little silly to learn all that stuff and to maybe learn all these keyboard shortcuts, but then it gets to the point where all that you're doing when you're editing is the creative, or at least all that's going through your head is the creative and not the actual mechanics of what you're doing. Um, so mm-hmm. it's, I think it's really worthwhile. And like Brandon said, it'll just save you time so you can do more things and, and not spend so much time just like, like maybe there's these one little gestures that you do that adds like, five seconds every time you do it and then that's like five minutes a day and then that's 30 minutes to your week and then that's well you know hours to your 
uh, year. So it's it's worth taking the time and doing all that. It really adds up if you, I think, are doing trying to do everything kind of in a manual way. And it's worth kind of getting some automation into your workflow. Yeah. I remember in college, uh, I was a business major, and one of the things we had to do for my operations management class was spend the semester touring about a dozen uh, manufacturing plants. So the one one that particularly stands out in my mind here was the Dole uh, produce oh, yeah. p- uh, plant, and it um, <clears throat> it seemed like busy work at first and then I realized how beneficial it was but the goal of going there um, was just to write down step by step what happens when a product like a raw product enters the back door and then leaves as a finished good out the front and um, it, I, I've been able to take that sort of homework assignment and apply it to my work here as a photographer and there's a couple times where you know maybe like once a year or something uh, maybe once every couple of years i'll sit down and i'll just write down on paper my every step i go through from the whatever workflow i choose to to do this for like if it's if it's the editing workflow then i'll write down every step from when i sit down at my desk after a wedding until i export for final delivery and when you have it all there on paper, it's really interesting to and, and pretty clear um, whenever there's something that you do, an activity you, that you do that just isn't necessary. And then going one step further, you could even assign time to it. Um, there was a, a week where I kind of did a little time tracking thing where I would record how long each, um, with just like the little stopwatch app in my phone, there's even apps for this that do it better though. Uh, I would just record how long it takes for me to do certain processes. Like, oh, it takes me 15 minutes to import uh, one SD card. And that's how I realized how beneficial that tower was going to be because I spent five minutes, um, you know, taking out an SD card and putting a new one in. Um, And for four SD cards, that's 20 minutes that I could save by per shoot by just buying this one little tower thing that imports them all at the same time. And um, so I don't know. I would encourage you guys to maybe do something like that too in the off season or um, maybe even in the busy season. Just see how long it takes you to do certain things. Identify processes that are a waste of time that might be able to be be fixed by adding a piece of equipment or gear to your life um, or just by uh, eliminating something that's redundant. Real quick, do you listen to anything while you're or watch anything while you're editing? Oh, I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm like, I know everybody kind of does. Um, and I, I think some people have the mind for that, that some people have the multitasker mind. I really don't. Um, sometimes I'll, if I'm like just kind of getting everything set up or copying over, doing like very kind of, I'd say not mindless, but monotonous kind of work i might have something on but i'm really anti and this is for my personality listen to or watch something while i'm editing i think if you have let's say you have office on which is like the one thing i've done in really low work times like you're not giving 100 percent to two things you're giving like i would say let's say 80 percent to one thing and 20 percent to another thing or maybe even 50 50 and so when i'm editing i just try to go 100 percent to one thing but that's for me. I, I maybe some people feel like they can give 100% to um, their initial task 
but maybe have just something on the background and it's not really taking up much real estate in their brain. I don't know. Um, but for me, I, it just doesn't, it doesn't work for me. So I, I, when I am editing, nothing else is on or going. Mm-hmm. Plus I need to hear things. So that's true. Um, yeah, I kind of agree with Josh for calling. I almost always just have the office or something going on or I'm on the treadmill just because it's such a mindless activity in some ways, but for editing, same, I mean, I'll maybe put on some like piano playlist or Bon Iver or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, that's, uh, that about does it for this episode of the Encourage Collective podcast. Also, I'm kind of curious if you guys even use Reddit and if you do, who does? So I'll probably post a poll about that on my Instagram story to see whether it's not, whether or not it's worth, um, posting things to our little subreddit there anymore. Um, Boom. Yeah, please, guys, go ahead and um, rate the episode because that helps us uh, move up in iTunes rankings. And Smash puts, that like button, baby. <laughs> puts us in front of people hit that subscribe. Uh, who might want to listen to it. Thank you Don't to all to of you. Don't forget to hit that bell. <laughs> Thank you to all of you who have uh, left reviews and ratings. That's super awesome of you guys. Yeah, the ratings really help. Thanks for that. Yeah. Not uh-huh. us, but they help the uh not our emotional no <laughs> <laughs> the ratings help kind of getting listed as a like legitimate uh podcast so that it just helps in general <laughs> yeah for sure so keep that going guys thank you so much um share it with your friends and family or anybody you might think could be interested in it too josh where can people find you um i'm on instagram josh harney productions and uh website is joshharney.com and you guys can find me on Instagram at hello Brandon Scott. My website is brandonscottphoto.co. Thanks guys for listening. Have a great week. Bye bye.